Good evening. Um, my name is Daniel Hyde. I'm a pastor of student ministries over at Bible Baptist Church, and I'd just like to thank you for this opportunity to be able to open up God's Word and uh, share with you a couple thoughts tonight. Um, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Good Friday. Um, we call this day Good Friday, but uh, when Jesus died on that cross, Satan and the world meant it for evil. They meant it to kill him and to end him. But God took something that was meant for evil and turned it into the salvation of anyone who would believe on, on him. It's pretty amazing. That is what makes Good Friday so good. And um, Jesus Christ does so much for us. And so tonight, I just want to put our thoughts onto what did Jesus Christ accomplish on that cross? What did, when he died, what does that mean for us? What, um, and so we're just going to be looking at a couple things in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, this is what it says. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, it's mean all people have flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus Christ, likewise, also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. It might free those who, who, who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For surely he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he uh, has suffered, he is able to come to the aid or to the help of those who are tempted. And so, uh, as we begin, let's uh, go to God in prayer. Father, Lord, I just pray that you open up our hearts and minds, Lord. I'm not sure, uh, but I'm sure that almost all of us could be distracted or doing other things. And so I pray that our hearts and our minds will just be open to see who you are, what you did for us, and help us to uh, encounter you, to meet with you tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this passage um, starts out and says that all of us are children, uh, have this flesh and blood. All people have flesh and blood. We all have this human nature. And basically all that means is that we can all die. Um, but Jesus Christ is different. Jesus is God's son, God the Son. So he is divine. He's infinite. He's immortal. He is all power, and there's absolutely nothing that can limit him in any way. And yet he takes on this flesh and blood. He becomes human. He comes down and <laughs> becomes what we are. He limits himself. If you think about us as humans, we are obsessed with becoming more than what we are, to becoming superhumans. Uh, Marvel puts out movies all the time, and we are obsessed with them. I know I am, of going and seeing all these superheroes because deep down we want to be better and more than what we are. But here you have the one being who has all power, who's limitless, and what does he do? He lowers himself. He takes on flesh and blood, and he becomes a man. Why? Why would the God of the universe, who has all power and is not limited by anything, do that? This passage says they did that 
to die. It says that through death. <laughs> he did that to die. And there, the death of Jesus Christ accomplished far more than we could ever imagine. Far more than we could ever imagine. But what I want to uh, look at are just two things that Jesus Christ's death accomplished for us that's found in this passage. So first, we're going to be looking um, in verse 14. It says that through death, he might render, it says that through death, he, Jesus Christ, might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. It might free those who through, who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. The Bible teaches that we are all enslaved because of sin, and we're all enslaved to sin and to Satan. That because of we, we have disobeyed and sinned and turned away from God, that the payment, the, the thing that we receive is death. It's in a separation from him, and, um, and so we all um, are deserving of death. And, but, Jesus, uh, but Jesus Christ comes to free us from that slavery. And so how, how does he do that? It says that he rendered powerless the uh, weapon of Satan. <laughs> Satan has a weapon. Think about it. Satan's greatest weapon is, is, that he has leads to our death. Satan's weapon ensures that we will all sin and therefore we will all die. And his weapon is deception. Satan comes at us to deceive us, to trick us. In Eve, uh, with garden, the Garden of Eden, Satan comes to Eve, and he comes to her, and he doesn't hurt her. He doesn't try to force her to take, to disobey God. He deceives her. He tricks her into believing that if she would, uh, if she would take this fruit, the thing that God said would, would kill her, he got her to believe that it would actually improve her life, that she would be like God, knowing good and evil. And he does that with us. You know, Satan actually cares a lot about your well-being and my well-being. He cares a ton about it. Think about it. Jesus Christ, in the beginning of his ministry, when Satan comes to tempt him, he had been uh, fasting for 40 days. And Jesus Christ comes, and Satan comes, and he's like, Jesus, I want you to have some food. Here, make some bread. He was awfully concerned that Jesus didn't go hungry. And then, uh, you know, with us, he wants us to get more than give. He wants us to be happy more than be holy, to selfishly lust more than sacrificially love. He wants us to be your best self now. Be the best person you can be. be do what makes you happy. You deserve to be happy. Do what feels right. Satan is concerned about you and he deceives us because all these things will lead to our death, will lead to eternity in hell. Because what he does is he focuses our attention away from God and on to self. That's all he has to do. Care about yourself more than you do about God. And he has you. His weapon that he uses against us is his deception. And it leads to our death. And we're enslaved to it. But Jesus Christ came and he destroyed that weapon. He took death. He took the death blow of Satan. And I, um, I don't know about you, but I, I like boxing movies. Boxing movies. And so 
this verse, I think, is one of the coolest verses because it kind of gives me this picture that Jesus and Satan are in a boxing ring. And Satan lands Jesus his death blow punch. And Jesus takes it. And then he says, is that all you got? He says, well, look at it. It says that through death he might render powerless, make useless, disarm him who had the power of death. That is the devil. The weapon that Satan uses against us, Jesus said, that's useless. That's nothing anymore. You're not held captive to it. You're not enslaved to it. I have come and I've taken and I've died for you. I've taken your place on that. And I have rendered Satan's weapon useless. You are free. And it says that he frees us from the fear of death. We are all afraid of death. We all want to live. We want our life to be meaningful and to make an impact for good in this world, right? And so Jesus, but we all are afraid of dying. But Jesus comes and he delivers us from that fear. It says in 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. See, honestly, we are all afraid of death because we're all afraid of God's judgment. Is that if we really, because of the sin that we've committed, and the guilt and the shame that weighs on us, and it weighs on us, that if we meet God, some of us here are afraid that he might give us exactly what we deserve. I don't want to meet God. I'm not ready yet. I need to fix some things. I need to change some things first. But Jesus Christ came to set us free from that fear. You no longer are bound by that. Satan no longer can hold that over your head because Jesus Christ has died for you and has set you free from that judgment, has set you free from that fear. There is no fear because his love has come. The love of God frees us from all fear of judgment. He's taken that away. So the, the anger and the judgment that God once viewed you with is now viewed with grace and forgiveness. And you are free. Jesus Christ, what this shows us is that Jesus' death delivers the slave. Jesus' death delivers the slave. Is that when he died, he delivered us from slavery. And that slavery was to our own selfish desires, to our own sin. And he delivers us free from that. That's awesome. But Jesus' death, he died, he became human, not only to die on the cross and deliver us as being a slave, but also to help us in our temptations, just as a high priest would. And so, let's go down to verse 16. It says, For surely he does not help, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of, of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of people. For since he himself was tempted in that, which, in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid or to the help of those who are tempted. So Jesus Christ, he died to, his death helps the tempted. Uh, it's, it, calls, it says that Jesus Christ came, uh, becomes human, therefore he also took on this human nature, become like his brethren. So that he might become, it says, a merciful and faithful high priest. A high priest is someone who goes between God and people. 
He brings people to God. But God became man. Jesus took on humanity in order to bring men back to God. And so here he describes them as merciful and faithful. If you would look through the Old Testament and look at all the uh, high priests or all the priests, you could come out and you would never describe any of them as merciful and faithful. They may have at times served others, but they were they also focused other people. When they were supposed to be pointing people to worship God, so often we read in the Old Testament of these priests pointing people to idolatry and turning people away from God. When they should have been helping people worship and, 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 and get closer into the presence of God, they were allowing sin and allowing other people to make uh, sacrifices in other places. So often they serve their own interest. And so you really couldn't describe them as being merciful and faithful. They had to sac- make sacrifices for their own sins as long as all, also for the sins of other people. But Jesus Christ is a merciful and faithful high priest. He is somebody who is there and is looking for your benefit. He is here. He came and became man and died for you and for me. He died for us. And as a priest, he brings us to God and takes care of our sin, but he also helps us in our day-to-day life. And so it describes God's mercy in, in this way. It says that, He's a merciful, faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make a propitiation for the sins of people. Might be like, what's that all about, that word? Um, propitiation was a word that had to do with animal sacrifices. But it was the idea that it took God's judgment, his wrathful anger judgment against our sin, and Jesus Christ took that away because he took it upon himself. That he paid the judgment and the punishment that we deserved. When he... <laughs> Propitiation has the idea that God, when he would look at you, because of your sin, he would be angry in a righteous way. Just as we are angered when terrible things in this world happen against another person. It makes us angry. It's just not right. Something needs to be done about that. And God has that, and he says there needs to be justice. And so Jesus Christ takes that upon himself as a high priest. High priests would, would uh, uh, have a lamb, and they would sacrifice a lamb for that. But Jesus Christ sacrificed himself as the lamb of God in our place and took our punishment. God's judgment that you deserved and that I deserved fell upon him. He took God's anger and God's judgment away from us. And so, um, and he brings us God's grace and forgiveness. So God who wants looked at you and was angry and, was, and you would feel God's judgment, now looks at you and is full of this grace and forgiveness. Jesus Christ came as a high priest to bring us close to God. He took care of our sin, but he also brings us into his presence. It's like we walk off from being enslaved to sin and to Satan, and because he disarmed Satan's greatest weapon and took care of that, we're able just to walk away from that. That sin doesn't bother us anymore. That sin can't hold on to us. It can't keep us here. And we can walk away from that, and through Jesus Christ, we can walk into the house of God without even knocking. We're not a neighbor to God. We are his child. We're supposed to walk right into his presence and say, Hey, Dad, hey, I'm here. 
And because of Jesus Christ, there's no longer that judgment. There's no longer that separation. We are his child through Jesus Christ. And we can walk into his presence just like that. That's awesome. He comes ahead. And he is merciful. He made the propitiation for our sins. I wonder how many of you feel far from God. How many of you feel like God's just a million miles away? There's no way he could ever accept me. I've gone too far. I've done too much. Jesus Christ died in your place. And he took that judgment away. So that now there is only grace and forgiveness for you through Jesus Christ. You are his child. And just as any child... You're not in the house to work for him. You're not a slave. You're there to enjoy him. Sure, there's chores that need to be done. There's stuff that needs to be done, as there is in any home. But your primary job is to enjoy God. Enjoy him. Enjoy being part of his family. That is what we're supposed to do. That's what Jesus Christ brings us into. He helps us by taking care of our judgment. He also helps us because he's faithful. And it describes his faithfulness as being able to help us in our temptations. It says in verse 18, For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Jesus Christ, his life on earth was one of constant suffering and temptation from the moment he got here. And if you think about it, from the beginning of his ministry to the end of it, the Bible describes Jesus encountering temptation from Satan, intense temptation, two times. Once at the beginning of his ministry, when he was in the desert, fasting and seeking God, Satan came to him and was tempting him. And Jesus Christ battled Satan's temptations and his deception with the word of God. He quoted scripture back to him. He went ahead and, and Satan would try to deceive him and he battled Satan's deception and, and showed that those were tricks and those were lead to death because he got into God's word and he, and he would repeat that back. And then at the end of his life, the night before he was crucified, Satan came and tempted him intensely again. You don't have to go through this. There's, there has to be another way. And so he got on his knees and he prayed, God, not my will, but your will be done. You know, we, talk, we, we think about resisting temptation. And some of us think, oh, I'm really good if I resist temptation. Anywhere from a couple seconds to a couple days, right? Like, when I start feeling frustrated to the time I start yelling can be anywhere from like 0.2 to like 0.5 seconds, right? Like, it just comes really quick. Resisting temptation is like for us is nothing compared to Jesus Christ. He endured such temptation and suffering that it got it brought him resisting it brought him to the point of death. He died in resisting temptation because even the crowd on the cross was yelling, "Save yourself!" And he didn't. He didn't think of himself. He thought of you and me, and he stayed on that cross and he died for our sins. Because he did what was best for us. He loved us. He helps us. He is faithful. And so in your temptation, you have someone who understands, who's been there, and who's resisted it far more than you ever could imagine. And he did it for you. He's like, I'm here to help you. Come to me. Pray to me. Talk to me. When you encounter temptation, Use my word. Dig into it. 
Don't buy into the lies of Satan. Fill up on the Word of God. Memorize it. Fill your mind with it. Fill your heart with it. And when Satan comes at you, it's overwhelming, and you're suffering, get on your knees, open your, the Bible, and say, Jesus, I need you. And he's there. He's like, I'm faithful. I'm a high priest. I'm here. I'm going to help you. And then go to him in prayer. And when Satan's wanting you to look after your best, do what's best for you. Do what feels right. Say, God, not my will. Not my desires. It's not about me. Your will be done. And Jesus comes and he helps you. Jesus died on the cross to deliver us from slavery, deliver us from sin, and also to bring us to God, to bring us to Him. If you're, you know, the Bible talks about the grace of God, God's grace, His gift of Jesus Christ that He gave to us. It says, God describes, uh, the Bible describes God's grace as being something that covers over our sin. That even if you would give in to sin, and when you sin, God's grace is there and it says it covers it over. So that God's judgment is not against you, but his forgiveness and grace is there. But God's grace is not just something that's cleaning up your messes behind you. It also describes God's grace as going before you. As being something that would help you so you don't have to give in to sin. It says in Titus 2, 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny or to say no to ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly and righteously and godly in this present age. You don't have to give in to your sin. You don't have to give in to that temptation because God's grace is there. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He set you free from that. And he says, here am I. Come into my house. Enjoy my family. Jesus' death sets us free. That's the point of all of this, is that Jesus' death sets us free. And the message I want us to understand today is God wants us to be free. God wants us to be free in him by believing in his son, Jesus Christ. If there's anyone, if you're here, you're like, how can I get that? I want that. I never had that. Believe on Jesus Christ. Take a hold of him. Get rid of everything else and grab a hold of him and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you more than anything else in my life. I believe in you. I'm letting go of everything else. And when you do that, the Bible says that he gives you eternal life. Believe on him. And then when I assume is many of us are believers. But we're struggling. We're suffering. Might be with sins and temptations. Might just be with life and struggles. Jesus Christ is there. He doesn't want you. To sin. He didn't save you so you could simply barely make it out of this life. He saved you so you could be free. Turn to him. Get, dig into his word. Dig into praying to him. Getting close with him. Enjoying him. And then, going ahead and praying, God, not my will, not about my desires. Don't let me give in to this, but let me do your will and your desires. Make that uh, first in my life. I need you. Turn to Jesus Christ. He has set us free. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, what he's done for us. <laughs> Just looking at this passage and how he set us free, Lord, you have done far more than we could ever understand. You have done far more than we could ever imagine. 
But Lord, we thank you. I pray, Lord, that we will trust in you, all of us. Turn to you. We need you, Father. We need you, Lord Jesus. You are our deliverer. You are our high priest. Help us to turn to you. In Jesus' name.